Amen, amen. Let's pray and we'll go. That's the lesson for tonight. Tonight's sermon is entitled, If You Ain't First, You're Last. No, it's not. It's not. Actually, the sermon has nothing to do with that video. I just thought it was kind of funny, so we played it. No, it has a little bit to do with it. So we're in this series called Plastic Jesus. I'll try to make a connection to that madness in just a little bit. Uh, We're in a series called Plastic Jesus. This is week two of Plastic Jesus. And the idea behind the series is is kind of this, that Jesus was a central figure in human history, right? That Jesus was was just the the most important person that's ever lived, right? Last week, uh, uh, Derek talked about the fact that Jesus is superior to everything that we know, everything that we are, and the fact that Jesus is central to everything that we are, right? So, So Jesus is the central figure in all of human history, right? He splits history right down the middle. We talk of history in terms of what happened before Jesus and what happened after Jesus, right? Right, B.C. And, and, and A.D. Okay, Jesus was that important, right? So, so Jesus is so famous, and if you've grown up in, in this part of the country, and most of you have, and if you haven't, you moved here, and so you kind of know what it's like, right? If you've lived in this part of the country, you kind of know who Jesus is. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you did the VBS thing, the Sunday school thing, the camp thing, and you've got a, got a better idea than a lot of people of, of who Jesus is. But at the very least, you have some notion, right, some picture of who Jesus is. Right, so, so, so for some of you, it may be this, you know, you think of Jesus in this image of like, uh, you know, a, a white guy with kind of long sort of wavy hair and, and a beard kind of comes to your mind, or maybe it's newborn, eight pounds, six ounce, baby Jesus comes to your mind, I, I don't know, maybe it's the, it's the Jesus that's down, you know, he's, it's that picture your grandmother has beside her bed of Jesus like looking up into the sky and he's praying, but when I say the name Jesus, some kind of image probably comes into your mind, right? Are you with me so far? So, so, so not only do you have some kind of mental picture of, of what Jesus looks like by some miracle of God, because I don't think any of us has actually ever seen what Jesus looks like. Not only do you have a picture of him, right? Am I getting, am I sounding weird to you guys? Is, is, yeah, a little, bit, a little bit. Okay, sorry about it. If you guys can just bear with me, I, I apologize. We're, we're having some technical issues, but if you can understand, if, if you can understand me, nod yes. Okay, good. Okay. So not only do you have a picture of who Jesus is, kind of what it looks like, you also have, and this is more important, you have kind of a notion of who Jesus is, right? So, so you know, you, you might know that Jesus is King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He's omnipotent. He's, he's, you've heard the term the God man before. He's fully God. He's, he's, he's fully man. You've, you've kind of heard some of these things. You, you know, you, you may think of Jesus as like this kind of philosopher that lived 2,000 years ago. He's a very good teacher. He's this Jewish guy. He was a rabbi. You may know some things about Jesus, right? So, so when you pray or when you hear the name, Jesus, some picture kind of comes into your mind, and, and more importantly, some notion as to who he is kind of comes into your mind, right? Here's, here's the issue that, that we've, kind of, we've kind of found, and I think that you guys will either know this already kind of by experience, or, or as you go through life, you'll kind of come to figure this out. What we all have a tendency to do is kind of highlight the parts about Jesus that we like, right? Because he's, he's so important. He's so, so central that you can't go anywhere without, without bumping into Jesus, right? Whether you're a Christian or not, Jesus is so central to history that you got to have some kind of opinion about him, right? So, so what we tend to do is we tend to highlight the things we like about Jesus, right? We like, we like salvation. We like the miracles, right? Maybe you're not so comfortable with the miracles, right? But you like the, the teaching that he did. You like loving your neighbor. Those are all good things. We all tend to kind of like those, right? But we tend to kind of kind of ignore or de-emphasize the parts about Jesus we don't like, okay? And, and, and I don't know what that is for you. I think it's different for everybody. So what we end up with is everybody's got a picture of, their, of Jesus in their mind. Everybody's got a notion of who he is, right? But odds are your picture is probably different from my picture, 
right? You, you, the Jesus you created for, for yourself is, is probably different than the Jesus I've created for myself, right? We all kind of have these, we manufacture these like, like little plastic Jesuses, right? That's where the name of the series comes from, these little plastic Jesus figurines that we, we get him out when we need him, and we set him on the dashboard so he'll surround us with a hedge of protection, whatever that means. When we go on a long trip, we get our plastic Jesus out, right, when we need something, and we pray to him, and, and whatever he looks like, this is our plastic Jesus, and I carry him around in my pocket. I whip him out when I need him, right? But this little thing that I've created, this little boxed-in Jesus that I, that I carry around with me is not the God-man of the Bible, right? Whatever our notions of Jesus are, and you may believe a lot of true stuff about Jesus, and I hope you do, and if you've been raised in this church, I'd say you do, just like me. But we tend to ignore so much of who Jesus is that we miss out on how big and how amazing he is. So we want to focus on, on, on kind of one of these, you know, misconceptions each week, right? This week, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that Jesus was a human being. Jesus was a man, right? Just, just like me, just like you, he was a human being. He, he lived, he died, he was a human being, right? We, we tend to kind of, kind of ignore that. Can I just be honest with you guys? I just showed a Ricky Bobby video, right? So I'm probably never going to get to speak again. So I'm just going to go ahead and pour out all my junk here tonight uh, just in case this is my last opportunity to. Here's what I tend to do, right? Th this is kind of the plastic Jesus I have. I don't have any problem by God's grace and by the fact that I was raised right and I was raised in church and, you know, I've, 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 I've sat under good biblical teaching. Th this is what I tend to believe, right? I have no problem believing that, that, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the second person in the Trinity, that he's all-powerful, that he's the Alpha, he's the Omega, that nothing was, was made that wasn't made through him, that he made everything, right? That he is all-powerful, almighty, omnipotent, omniscient God, right? I have, I have no problem believing that. But here's what I do. I only believe that a lot of the time. And I ignore or, or forget Maybe it's intentional. Maybe I think it's just unintentional. I forget the fact that in addition to that, Jesus was just a, just a human being. He was just a normal person, right, that had, that, had, that had a body, a human body. He had a human mind. He had human emotions. He had a human will. And I forget that. Now, why is that important? Why does that matter? Doesn't, as long as I get the good stuff, right, that he's the son of God, that I need to believe in him for my salvation, isn't that enough? Yeah, yeah, that's enough. But I think you miss out on so much if that's all you focus on. Let me tell you why. Here, here's a principle that I know. And I, again, this is just kind of based on life experience. I can't quote a verse for this, okay? But I think I'm going I'm to tell it to you, and you're, you're going to know what I'm saying. It's hard to have a real relationship with somebody that has nothing in common with you, right? It's hard to have a real relationship. It's hard to be friends. It's hard to be buddies with somebody that has nothing in common with you. Like, have you ever, you ever had this experience where your parents are like really good friends with somebody, and they have kids about the same age, and they think, oh, I'm just going to get my kids together, and they're just going to hit it off, and they're going to be best friends right off the bat, right? You live like four hours away, you pile up in the car, and you go see mom and dad's old college roommates, and oh, it's just going to be amazing, and everybody's just going to bond, and you get there, and like you have nothing in common with this person, right? Like if you're, if you're kind of a, you know, preppy, you're kind of jock person, you walk into the, to the friend's bedroom and it's like, it's like all black and it's like totally gothed out, you know, and it's just like real dark and you're like, I'm, I'm afraid of this person. I can't be friends with this person, right? Why? Because you have nothing in common. Maybe you're a little bit edgy, right? And, and you're like, you know, kind of hipster and you walk in and it's, it's like all 
purple, you know, princess bubblegum stuff all over the wall, and there's like unicorn posters and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with unicorn posters, by the way, if you got them, that's, that's fine. I'm trying to make the point, though, if, if you're on this end of the spectrum, and, and princess bubblegum is on this end of the spectrum, you're not going to be best friends, right? Have you ever tried to force one of those? Again, you try to force that relationship when your parents just try to force you together, there's no way you're going to hit it off, and it's going to be awkward, and it's going to feel weird, and you've got nothing in common. You're just not going to have a relationship. Let me, let me give you another example. Let's suppose that the Queen of England walked in to this room tonight, right? And we had an opportunity to just kind of visit with her. I mean, that'd be cool because tomorrow we'd get to go to school and we'd say, I met the Queen of England last night, and I'd have a story. My friends would be jealous, and that'd be cool. But it'd be really weird to actually try to look her in the eye and have a conversation because, like, what would you talk about? I mean, this is a lady that, that was raised as, as an actual princess, right? She, 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 like all the Disney movies you see that have a princess in them, she actually was that. She actually did marry a prince. She actually did live in a castle since the time she was born. She's been raised behind these high walls, these high gates. She's had no experience that you guys have had. She didn't go to public school. She doesn't have just normal friends and working parents. And you guys would have nothing, and I would have nothing in common with the Queen of England. It's not that I wouldn't respect her. It's not that I wouldn't respect her power and her authority, but there's no way we're going to like conjure up like a good friendship where maybe on spring break, like I go over there and I visit the Queen because she's my buddy, right? That's not going to happen. We have nothing in common. And here's what I think we do with Jesus. Here's what I think we do with Jesus. I think we ignore the fact that he was a human being and we do that to our detriment. Why? Because if we ignore the fact that he was a human being, we ignore the one thing we have in common with the God of the universe. The thing on which our relationship with him, by his grace, can be built. We ignore that part, right? And we just, we just imagine that he's the great king and we, he, he, we owe him our allegiance. And, and that's all right. That's all absolutely right. And you should believe he's alpha and omega and all-powerful and all-knowing. And those things are absolutely right. But that's not the whole story, is it? He was a human being. And because he was a human being, you have something in common with God. What an amazing, amazing thought. I wish we, could just, I wish we had time to just camp out right there and talk about the fact that the, the, the God of the universe, right, that created everything, literally made himself into a human being. That's mind-blowing, but we don't have time to focus on it tonight. Just file that away. Here's the deal. If, if I believe that Jesus and I have nothing in common... It affects my ability to trust him. If I forget that Jesus walked where I walk, was tempted, right, lived a human life, if I forget that we have that in common, it affects my ability to trust him. Why should I trust him? It was easy for him, right? He wasn't a real human being, right? He had, he had these God powers, and, and it was easy for him. So why should I trust when, when he tells me, you know, I should suffer willingly and, and joyfully? Why should I trust that? I want to tell you tonight, it's because he was a human being, because he actually did suffer, because he actually did walk the road that he's asking you to walk. So let's talk about that a little bit tonight, okay? If you've got a Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to be tonight, starting in verse 1, okay? And as you guys turn there, I'm going to kind of set up where it is we're going, right? This is the story of the temptation, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. We'll get there in just a minute, okay? Here, here's what I want to give you kind of as, as background knowledge. And, and it's kind of a rundown of, of, of why we believe Jesus was fully human, right? This is, this is, 
This is an easy concept for a lot of people to get, but I think it's, it's kind of a harder concept for us church people to get, right? Because we were always, you know, we were raised around the miracles. We know Jesus has this power that he's God, and, and that's easy for us to understand, right? It's harder for us to understand that he's just also just a, just a human, just a human. Here's what the Bible tells us, and we'll get to Matthew 4 in just a second, right? So, so keep your finger there. We're about, we're about to be there. And I'm not going to give you citations for all these. You just have to take my word for it. If you want to look it up later, we can, uh, we can give you some citations. Here's what the Bible tells us about Jesus' humanity. The Bible tells us Jesus had a human body, right? He was born just like you were born, right? He had a human mom. He, he was literally born with a human body. The Bible tells us that he grew. He grew taller. He went through uh, uh, boyhood. He went through teenage years. He eventually became a man. For 33 years, Jesus' human body developed, right? Just like anybody else's. The Bible tells us his, his body got weak. The Bible tells us that he got hungry. Now, why does that matter? That matters because it, it's evidence that Jesus was playing by the same human rules that you and I have to play by. Here's one of those rules. If you don't eat, you'll die. Right? Stop eating and see how that works out for you. You'll die. Okay? Jesus was subject to that same exact rule. If Jesus didn't eat, he would have died. That's important. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. Jesus had human emotions, he had a human mind, he had a human will. Think about, think about the story of, uh, of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that story? It's right before Jesus is going to be nailed to the cross. It's right before he's going to go through this just terrible, terrible time of torture, torment, right? And he goes to the garden by himself a couple days before, maybe the night before, and he gets down on his knees and he's just pleading with God, right? And we have this incredible scene where we see just the raw human emotion that Jesus has. Right, and he's so emotional, he's so stressed, and he's got so much angst just, just on him that he's just carrying that he starts literally, he starts sweating drops of blood. Right, that's an actual, that can actually happen medically. Doctors can explain how, I'm not nearly smart enough to, to walk you through that. But he's so stressed, right? He's got so much emotion in him. He's carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders that he starts sweating blood. That's also evidence that, that, that Jesus has, uh, has a human will, had a human mind. Remember what he said when he was praying in Gethsemane? When he's pleading with God, he's, he's saying, this is paraphrase, of course, he's saying, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way to accomplish salvation, please do it. Please do it. I don't, I don't want to go through the torture that I'm about to go through. I don't want to go through the hell that I'm about to experience. I don't want to be whipped with, a, with, with this, this cat of nine tails. You guys have heard of this thing? It's a whip that has pieces of bone and pieces of metal in it. And what happened to Jesus was they hit him with this thing 39 times. And every time it hit him and they yanked it back, it ripped his skin out and it ripped his muscle out. He knows this is about to happen, right? He knows how this story's gonna go and he doesn't wanna do it. And who would blame him? Does any human being want to go through that? Of course not. Of course not. And so what we see is Jesus pleading, God, please, if there's any other way, if there's any other way you can save these people, please do it because I don't want to go through this. The human in me, the human nature, the human will in me does not want to go through this. And he says, but nevertheless, if there's no other way, not my will, but your will be done. He had a human will. He had a human mind, human emotions, and a human body. Now, why does it matter? What if Jesus hadn't been human, right? Wouldn't it have been possible, and, and I, I don't know, I, I, I think Jesus had this power. He could have come here, and, and he could have kind of cheated his way through life, right? He, he, he could have 
He could have not subjected himself to the rule that if you don't eat, you'll die, right? Like, he, he could have lived on Jesus' juice or whatever and sustained himself kind of that way. And he, he would have been, it would have been fine because he's God, right? He can kind of do whatever. He, he didn't have to subject himself to, like, for example, gravity, right? He's, he's Jesus. He could have just teleported. He could, have, he could have just flown around, you know, wherever he wanted to go because he's God. He can do that, right? He has that power, right? So, so, so why didn't he? Why does it matter? Here's why it matters, all right? And we're, we're, again, another place where we could camp out all night, maybe have a series on this, but we don't have time. This is why it matters. It matters because God said, and I know this because we just talked about the Garden of Gethsemane. God said, no, there's not another way. Here's what has to happen. You have to go. You have to be born as a human. You have to live a human life, be subjected to the human laws that the humans have to live by in order to be the perfect sacrifice that I will accept on behalf of the sins of of the people, right? It can't, be, it can't be a dog that's the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the eternal sacrifice. It can't be an angel. It's got to be a person. It's got to be a perfect person. It's got to be a person that struggles, that's tempted, that has every opportunity to sin, just like you and I have an opportunity to sin every single day, and they've got to go all the way without sin, perfect and spotless and blameless in the sight of God. And if Jesus had cheated, Right? If Jesus had said, mm, I'm kind of hungry today, now there's a you know, cheeseburger in front of him all of a sudden. Right? Just, just it, these miracles that, that happen just for Jesus' convenience. If he performed these miracles, this supernatural power for his own convenience, do you and I get to do that? Does anybody here have the power to just make a cheeseburger appear in front of you? If you do, get up here right now because we need to see that. That would be awesome. I'm kind of hungry. No, we don't have that power, right? So Jesus couldn't exercise that power. Jesus couldn't teleport from place to place because we can't teleport from place to place. There had to be an actual human being that was subject to the laws that human beings have to live by. So if Jesus had cheated, if, if, if he hadn't been fully human, guess what? No atonement. No salvation. At least not in the way God planned. Guess what else? No example for us. We, in Jesus, we have a perfect example of what it means to be a, hum, a righteous human being, what it means to live a godly, righteous life. Without that, without, if Jesus had been cheating, how would we know to trust him? How would we know to take his advice? Jesus, you were cheating the whole time. You don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what it's like to be tempted the way I'm tempted. You don't know what it's like to suffer the way I suffer. But he did, because he didn't cheat. Let me give you an example in, in Scripture. And this is where we're going go to go to, to Matthew chapter 4. Satan tries to bring the whole thing just crashing down, right? And we're going to take a look at this story. It's, it's the temptation of Jesus. That's kind of the name it's known by. And this is a story where the devil himself goes in front of Jesus and tempts him with like, it's like two kind of, you know, innocuous seeming things. Like they don't seem like a big deal. And then the third one's like, come on, he's never going to fall for that one. But the first two, right, the first two are kind of, kind of strange. They, they don't seem like that big a deal. Like if Jesus had given in to these first two temptations, nobody really would have been hurt, right? It, it wouldn't have, they don't seem immoral, right? It didn't seem like that big a deal, so why is it in there? Why is it a big deal? Let's read the story, and then, and then we'll talk about it for just a second, okay? Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I'm just going to read straight through the story. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. No joke. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, 
Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the very word that com- every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, Jesus, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. In other words, they're not even going to let you stub your toe. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, he said to Jesus, all these, all these kingdoms I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Verse 11, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Right, so what's going on? <clears throat> Jesus goes out into the wilderness, it says. The Bible tells us, Matthew tells us, and he fasts. Now, if, if, if you weren't raised in church, that's okay. Fasting, just in case you don't know, means you don't eat. You don't eat and you, and you pray instead. So for 40 days, Jesus has been not eating and instead he's been praying. Okay, now just for point of reference, 40 days, if you didn't go to Cleveland High School, is about six weeks ago. Okay, right? That's six weeks. So, so 40 days ago, here's, here's what was going on. It was a Friday night, okay? It was a Friday night. Cleveland was about to play Chattanooga Central, right? Remember where you were, right? Walker Valley was about to play Red Bank, okay? And Bradley was about to just get dominated by East Hamilton. Bad memory, <laughs> bad memory. Good team, bad memory, bad memory. Right, that was almost six weeks ago. Remember where you were? Maybe you went to the game. Now, now imagine this. Imagine you went to the game and you came home. Maybe you had a hot dog or two at the game. I don't know. Maybe some nachos, maybe some candy. You come home and you don't eat anything at all that night and you don't eat anything the next day or the day after that 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 all the way up to tonight. You haven't eaten tonight. You haven't eaten all the, since all the way back at that football game, right? That's a long time, right? So Matthew says, he was hungry. Yeah, I bet he was really hungry. Like if I hadn't eaten in six weeks, I would probably be eating the chair if I had the strength to get down there, right? Right, so the devil, the devil comes to Jesus and he's like, this is a good opportunity. This is a good opportunity because Jesus is weak. He's famished. He probably wants something to eat. Here's, here, here's what's gonna happen. Hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus. The devil goes up to him. Hey, man. Why don't you use your baby Jesus powers and turn those rocks right there? Why don't you turn those rocks right there into just a, just a loaf of bread? And we'll split it. No, no, no. You don't even have to split it. You can just have the whole thing, man. You, man, you've been, 40 days you've been praying. I mean, you deserve a pat on the back. I'm going to give you a standing ovation. God has got to be pleased with you, Jesus. Now, just, Jesus, just go ahead and, and, and wave your hand over the pile of rocks, and it'll turn into bread for you. You can eat it. I won't tell anybody. It's not a big deal, right? And, and, and we read the story, and we're like, it's really not a big deal. Like, like, why didn't Jesus just go, okay, and pick up the rock and, you know, it's a hamburger and he eats it. And that's, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. Had Jesus given in to Satan at this point in time, he would have been denying his humanity. He would have been going outside of the rules that you and I have to live by every single day. Because all of a sudden, Jesus wasn't dependent on, on, on food anymore, right? He didn't, he, didn't have to, he didn't have to depend on God to provide food for him. He could just use these, these, these amazing powers, and he didn't ever have to worry about where his next meal was going to come from like you and I do. If Jesus says yes to Satan at this point, it's going to be easy, but it's not God's plan. Why? Because God's plan was for Jesus to come and live an actual 
human life. So if Jesus says yes at this point, the whole thing just comes crashing down. Because no longer is Jesus just the human. No longer is he living the life that you and I live. And no longer is he that perfect spotless sacrifice in our place. Because he's something different than us. Now, again, I want to remind you, if, if you're sitting there going, wait a minute, didn't Jesus perform like 9,000 miracles, and isn't that evidence that he's maybe just a little bit different than I am? Yes, 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 absolutely. You're right to point that out. And before we get back into it, let me just kind of address that very, very quickly. Here's the difference, okay? What the devil was asking Jesus to do was use supernatural power for Jesus's own convenience, right? So, so Jesus, you're hungry, and, and you should just use your power and turn a stone into bread, right? Jesus never did that. Jesus didn't use supernatural power for his own convenience, okay? Study the miracles. Go back and read. When Jesus performed a miracle, it was on somebody else's behalf. It was to help somebody else. It was to glorify God in front of somebody else, okay? That's the difference. What the devil wants is for, is, is for this power to be used for convenience. Jesus only used it to glorify God. Okay, that's the difference. Now, now let's go back. Again, the second temptation. They go up on top of, uh, of, of the temple, like the church building. And I don't know how tall it is. Let's say it's 75, 100 feet tall. It's tall enough that if we jumped off, we would go kersplat, right? Like we, we, they would have to clean up our innards afterward, and, and it would be very sad for our family. So they go up there on top of this thing, on top of the, uh, of the roof, and the devil's like, hey, Jesus, just go ahead and jump off. I know you can fly. I, I know the angels are going to, like, carry you down, right? It's not a big deal. Nobody's even watching. I'm not going to say anything. And again, we look at it and we're like, I mean, that, that's a little bit more impressive. Like the bread thing and the stone thing, that's, that's cool. But like if you can fly, that's the superpower. If you don't choose invisibility, flying is the one, right? That's, that's always the debate. And that's a pretty cool one, right? So we've been pretty amazed by that. Why is it a big deal? Again, we can't fly. None of us can fly. I don't have that power. You don't have that power. And Jesus wasn't about to exercise that power because you and I can't. Because Jesus was human. And if he gave in here... The whole thing comes crashing down, but he didn't give in. And then the third one, like the third one almost makes me laugh. Like, like the devil tries to tr kind of trick Jesus the first two, like, hey, you know, I bet you can't turn them rocks into some bread, and hey, I bet you can't fly off that building. And he's like, hey, I bet you won't worship me. I'm like, no, I'm not going to worship you. What are you? Like the devil's off his game on this third one. I don't have anything clever to say about it, really. Jesus is like, dude, are you kidding? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But here's the lesson you can you kind of take out of it, right? Like, like here's what the devil offered. The devil offered like an easy way out for Jesus, okay? Because Jesus came to save the whole world. He came to put the whole world under, un, un, under the rule of God. He came to redeem. And the devil's like, hey, I can give you all that if you'll just bow down to me. Just take this shortcut. You don't have to go the way of the cross. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to continue this, this charade that you're doing. Keep pretending that you're not, you're not God. Just, just go ahead and, and worship me, and, and I'll make them worship you, right? And Jesus is like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And he doesn't do it. Now, very quickly, because we're running out of time, I've got just kind of two takeaways from, from, from what we've been talking about tonight, okay? Two points that I want to leave with you very quickly, and then we'll be, then we'll be done. Here's the first one. The temptation in all of this, the temptation was for Jesus to choose the easy way instead of God's way. Very simply put, the devil's temptation for Jesus was for Jesus to take the easy way, right? Not to depend on, on natural food, not to be bound by the rules of humanity, not to have to go through all the suffering, right? He could have everything that the devil thought Jesus wanted instantly. The devil was going to give it to him. The devil says, I've got this power. I'm just going to hand it over to you. It's going to be really easy gonna be really easy. And Jesus knew the easy way wasn't the way that he was meant to go. He was meant to go God's way, right? 
He knew that if he had taken the easy way, there would be no salvation for us. He knew that if he took the easy way, yes, absolutely, he would reveal that he has all this power, that he is supernatural, that he is bigger than us, that he is better than us, that he is stronger than us. And we would have had no choice, you guys, but to fall down at his feet and serve him, right? But here's what we wouldn't have had. And this is very, very important. This is, this is kind of nuanced. If you're not paying attention, you're not going to get this. If Jesus had taken the easy way and forced us to serve him, we would not have had the freedom to choose to love him. Did you get that? If, if Jesus had forced us to serve him, there would be no room for love because love involves freedom. Love involves choice, right? And by God's grace, because Jesus took the hard way, now he draws us to him and we're free to respond. We're free to enter into that relationship. We're free to go, hey, I can identify with this guy. I see what he did. I see how hard it was because I have to live a human life. I see that he did. We're free to respond in love and obedience. It's amazing. amazing. Jesus didn't take the easy way. He took God's way to bless us. Takeaway number two. We're almost done. Takeaway number two is very simple. You have a lot more in common with Jesus than you realize. You ever think about that? You have a lot more in common with Jesus than you realize. Just by virtue of being a human being. We're all human beings in here tonight. Some of us are weirder than others, but we're all human beings, right? And because of that, we have a lot in common with Jesus. You you say, David, man, I don't have much in common with Jesus. You you don't know what my life is like, right? Like, you don't know the problems I face. You don't know the temptations I have, just just the trials I go through. Well, let's talk about it. Let's, 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 Let's make it a little awkward. What's the problem? What's the problem you have? David, I, I come from a poor family. We don't have much, right? We don't have much in terms of money. I, I have to scrape together a good outfit because my, my parents can't afford to buy me one, and, and I, we don't have as much as, uh, as our friends do, right? I come from a, a, a difficult situation economically. You ever read the Bible? Jesus was homeless, literally homeless. He didn't have a house. He wandered from town to town. He just stayed with friends, and anybody that would take him in, he had nothing in terms of worldly possessions. You don't think you knew what it was like to be poor? Maybe your, maybe your problems are different. Maybe your problems stem from, from something almost, uh, you know, uh, that, that we all want. Maybe you're popular, right? Maybe you have popular people problems. Everybody's like, I hate those people. Those aren't real problems, you know? Maybe you have popular people problems. Maybe you've, maybe you've achieved whatever level of social success that is, and you realize that when you become popular, there are a lot of pressures that go along with that. Right? You got to keep a lot of plates in the air. You got to be involved in a lot of things. You got to pe- keep a lot of people happy. You got to invest in a lot of relationships. And there's a lot of pressure, not to mention kind of the immoral side and the temptations that you're faced, but just, just to keep this whole popularity thing going, man. It's hard. You don't think Jesus knows what it's like to be popular? He had crowds of thousands and tens of thousands of people following him around everywhere he went. He was a celebrity, he was famous. You don't think he knew what you're going through? Maybe you're unpopular. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't have that many friends. Maybe you're, you're kind of the black sheep of the family. Maybe you're kind of an outcast. You don't have many, many buddies, and Friday night rolls around, and you're like, where is everybody? I guess I'll just play Xbox. You know, maybe you're, you're just not that popular. All those crowds that we were talking about, there's nothing wrong with playing Xbox. I do it all the time. Maybe I'm unpopular. All those crowds we were talking about that followed Jesus around, they eventually walked away from him. All his friends eventually deserted him. 
His family literally thought he was crazy and like tried to keep him away from people because they're like, Jesus is crazy. Uh, we're embarrassed by him. They disown him. You don't think he knows what it's like to be unpopular, an outcast? You don't think he knows what it's like to be tempted? He was tempted by the devil himself. I don't know how many of you have ever actually seen the devil, you know, like follow you out with your friends and he's like, hey guys, let's go drinking. That's usually not how it goes, right? But that's what Jesus faced. Jesus faced temptation from the devil himself. And he still resisted, right? Incredible. He knows exactly what you're going through. Maybe, maybe you're alone. Maybe you feel like there's nobody in the world that's on your side, right? Nobody's, nobody's waiting for you to come home at night. Maybe, maybe your parents abandoned you. Maybe they neglect you, ignore you. Maybe you think you're the only person that's, that's involved in your life. Here's what I can promise you. However alone you are, and maybe you're very alone. I, I don't know. Maybe you guys are going through some really tough stuff. No matter how alone you are, there's always somebody that hasn't deserted you. Guess who it is? It's God, right? God will never leave you or forsake you. God will never desert you. There's somebody, there's one person in all of human history that God did turn his back on at one point in time. You know who it was? Jesus. When he's on the cross, Jesus has the, the weight of the world, all the sin from every human in all of human history poured out on him. God's wrath is poured out on him, and God has to turn away, and Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you, what, forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? This Jesus that was united with his Father God from all eternity past up to that moment, they'd never been apart at all. God had never abandoned Jesus until that moment. Jesus was literally all alone by himself. No matter how alone you think you are, and you may be very alone, I promise you this, you've never been as alone as Jesus was when he hung on that cross. So the band's going to come. We're going to close. Guys, you can start playing as soon as you get up here. here here's what I want to leave you with. You've got so much more in common with Jesus than you realize. And because you have so much in common with Jesus, you can have an actual, real relationship with Jesus. Not like this awkward, he's the God of the universe and you're kind of a mortal, kind of dirty sinner, kind of this is weird and I don't know how to talk to you. He's been where you guys are. He's been where you guys are going to go, right? You have that in common. Look, look, look at the way Hebrews says, and this is the last thing. I'm going to leave you with this, okay? What's going to happen is the band is going to, you guys can go ahead and, and play when you're ready. The band's going to play. We're going to stand and we're going to sing, uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing one more song and then we're going to be dismissed, okay? I'm going to leave you this verse, but let me encourage you as the band is playing, as you're singing, if you're sitting here tonight and you realize, man, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. I, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to be in a relationship with the God of the universe. Tonight's the night to take care of that, right? Whether you think you've, you, you, you know something about God, whether you know some facts about God, but you've never really gotten into that relationship, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. Don't leave this place with that stuff unresolved. It's the start of a brand new life something beautiful and something glorious. Here's what, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. For we do not have a high priest, and he's talking about Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, in every way, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He's been tempted and never sinned. And it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Whatever you're going through, man, Jesus has been through it first. 
He's waiting on you. He wants to help you through it, if you'll just let him. Let's pray with me, then we'll sing, and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, God, what an absolute privilege it is to get to come before your people and share your precious, life-giving, powerful word. God, I thank you for using me as that instrument tonight. Lord, I pray that whatever needs to happen in the hearts of these young people here tonight, that it would happen by your power, God, by your grace, by your mercy. I pray for the souls of these guys here tonight. I thank you for their attention, for their patience with me. God, and I pray that whatever they need to hear, you'll speak it to them even now to their spirits. God, I pray you'll help us to, to, to worship you in spirit and truth in all things, and especially in the next few minutes. We thank you for Jesus, God, for our perfect sacrifice and for our salvation. It's in his name we pray. Amen.